Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Strom has 18 goals on the season now. Um, he was traded by the Oilers to the Rangers for Ryan Spooner back in November. Ryan, I think both Ryans had, each had one goal on the season before they made that trade. Um, and Matty, I mean, that's the best of any player acquired by a team this year, isn't it? It Ryan is. Strome. And at the time, we thought it was a bad trade. Now it looks even worse. Uh because the dollar figure wasn't astronomical for Ryan Strom, 3.1 million. Uh, they convinced the Rangers to to pay 900,000 of Spooner's $4 million contract for this year and next. So it's a wash in terms of the dollars, but certainly not in terms of the talent. And now not, not only did they trade Strom for Spooner who didn't pan out, but now they, they, need, they still need a third line center next year. If you're good, if you say that Drysaddle's playing with Connor McDavid as he should, and Nugent Hopkins is a second line center, you have to find a third line center, and not, you know, not to slag Colby Cave or Kyle Brodziak, but they're fourth line centers. You need a third line center, which is one more thing on their checklist this summer that they have to find, and they have there's there's so many things on their checklist that that uh, to say. That if they get a new general manager, they get a new coach, that'll turn things around. Um, I'm not so sure. They need, you know, they need half a dozen pieces this summer. You know, I'm Craig Ellingson. I'm with Jim Matheson, Hockey Hall of Fame writer. This is the Oil Spills podcast for uh, April 2nd, 2019. And as we sit here, we're recording this on the Monday. Um, and the Oilers are playing Las Vegas on Monday night. Then they go to Colorado to play the Avalanche on Tuesday. But, you know... The orders are, for all intents and purposes, done. Uh, you know, mathematically, I think they just have to lose tonight's game against Vegas, and they're done. Um, and of course, they're chasing the Avalanche, who was sitting in the last wild card spot uh, with what four games to go for almost every team. Um, you know, and we're talking about the Ryan Strom thing because, you know, that was a deal that obviously Peter Shirelli made uh, for Ryan Spooner, you know, a former Bruin, uh, and, uh, and of course, Peter Shirelli is no longer the Oilers' general manager. Fired in January and high, if not top of the list for anything we talk about with the Edmonton Oilers is who is going to be hired as the next general manager. Now, we have had, it has been a couple of months, more than two months now, 
since the firing. Uh, we all know that the process is going to take a while. That's what the orders have said. That's what Bob Nicholson, the CEO, charged with looking for the replacements, you know, general manager and whatever other staff, I mean, obviously head coach is up in the air as well. We don't know what the future of Ken Hitchcock behind the bench is. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, we could talk, we, we, you know, but we've talked a lot about it already about who we could, who the orders could target and bring in. I mean, Kelly McCrimmon, the assistant general manager in Las Vegas is, you know, for all intents and purposes, probably the, the person most people think the orders should hire, but there's always debate as to whether, you know, what direction the order should go. Like Maddie, we were talking and we've talked about it a lot of times before, but Kelly McCrimmon's, he's 58 years old. He's not a young, scrappy, he's not up and coming dude. And, uh, he's been around and the game for a while. Playing, you know, he's not a Bill Guerin or a Tommy Fitzgerald or a Norm McIver. Uh, they may be older than I, I think they are, but they're not 58. So you're right. Uh, if I'm the Vegas Golden Knights and, and, the owners are looking at him, and Seattle would be looking at him as general manager. For, for, I don't even let him get out of Vegas. If you think he's that valuable, name him general manager of your team. You know, George McPhee could easily step into the Brendan Shanahan role where he's, you know, he's got that title anyway. I think he's general manager and president of hockey operations, but make it a little more, um, you know, a few more things in his portfolio, I guess, you know, in terms of, of, of Shanahan as to what he's got in uh, um, Toronto with Kyle Dubas. So um, you're right. I would just keep the guy they got, Keith Gretzky. And I know there's lots of people say you can't keep the guy because he's he's got that Gretzky name, and I don't think it makes any difference. I think he's very sure of himself, and nobody... It's nice to say you've got all these players, all these, you know, general manager candidates, and we'll talk to them and they'll tell us all about their team. Nobody knows the owner team better than Keith Gretzky. So if you want to make a trade, say, at the draft, when most of the trades are made to help things out, is a new general manager coming in on the 1st of June going to know the owners as well as Keith Gretzky? I don't see it. So... And obviously, you know, it's it's not just signing players for next year for the owners. You have to trade some of these players and, and try to get better players. So Gretzky would know them best. Um, I would have no trouble with a Keith Gretzky general manager and a Ken Holland president of hockey operations if Ken wanted to leave Detroit and if Steve Eiserman got the GM job there. So I wouldn't have any problem with that whatsoever. Now, I don't know what, what the owners are, are thinking, but from the sounds of things, Every name you can toss out there, if you cover hockey, would probably be a possible candidate for this job. And um, there's assistant general managers, there's guys who were general managers who are out of work now looking for the job. So it's it's a very long list. Yeah, I mean, for the record, I mean, I brought up McCrimmon's age, but, you know, in my opinion... He's it, pretty young it, it compared depends. to me. <laughs> well, Not you. Well, you know... <laughs> I don't think it matters how old you are. No. I don't care if you're 58 or 28. If no. you Lou Lamorello is a general manager. Well, I was going to bring him, bring in, that up. In Long he, Island. He's, he's over 70. So he certainly made a difference there, didn't he, this yeah, year? Yeah, I don't think it makes any difference no, whatsoever. And I, not. Although I, there is this, this feeling that if you work for another team that's a better team than the Oilers, then 
you're a hot hot item. Not necessarily. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to do a deep dive on exactly how influential you are on that better team. Do they listen to you as an assistant GM? What do you do? Do you just look after their farm team? Or are you sitting in on all the meetings when they're making trades and, and such like that? Um, I would say if you don't have a background in amateur scouting, pro scouting, and contracts, um, it I think it's difficult to suddenly come in and analytics I would suggest to come in and say okay now I'm going to run the store it's very difficult so you know there's lots of good candidates out there and uh, I think they got a very good candidate here already in Keith Gretzky but I don't even know if you'll get an interview this is the interview he's running the, he's, you know, he's run right the now. team he's, this is it now he's run the team you know since Peter got fired so it's a couple of months um, he's very like I said he's very sure of himself he knows, he knows who can play and who can't play. He knows where guys fit on the on this current roster. Uh, and if a guy, he knows a guy is a fourth line player. He knows a guy is a third line player. He knows that maybe a guy had a career year this year, but, you know, how much is he going to give Alex Chase on in a deal? You know, he, he knows that better than anybody they're going to bring in. So, but that's just a personal opinion and I'm not the one hiring. Well, you brought up president of hockey operations. Um, maybe that's what the owners should be targeting for first. I don't know. I mean, we don't have a very. I mean, it is a the copy, time frame is very short here. It's a copycat league, of mm. course, the way it works, uh, and it works that way in management too. And the teams that are uh, have been reasonably successful at cleaning house, I guess is, is the term. Suddenly, get a a major domo like a Brendan Shanahan. And then a general manager who handles the day-to-day stuff. And in terms of the Oilers, I guess they could get a a president of hockey operations. As it is now, Bob Nicholson's wearing two hats. He's the president of Oiler Entertainment Group. And plus, he's, he's trying to hire a general manager, which is the hockey end of things. And so he's trying to serve, you know, do two jobs at once. And I'm sure that's, you know, he's not getting a lot of sleep, I'm sure. I don't know how many times Daryl Cates is phoning him, but um, every day, probably every day, and he's not liking the fact there's no playoff games for a second straight year. No, no, I guess not. But you know, because you know, then I know whether it's you or other people, um, I can't keep track sometimes. But you know, the name Ken Holland keeps coming up. I know you've written about it a few times. I mean, you know, if he's sprung loose from Detroit, and that's that's you know, sounds like it's likely. Would you want him to come in to be your president of hockey operations? Is that the guy you want to bring in to do that sort of thing? Well, in terms of history and, and his resume is well, certainly Canada, impeccable. Partly. He's, he has worked for Hockey Canada, but he's also won four Stanley Cups as general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Um, is it, would it be any different than... Glenn Saylor going to the Rangers as the general manager for quite some time and then suddenly saying, okay, now you're the president. Uh, and Jeff Gorton's the general manager, a younger Jeff Gorton. And, you know, Glenn was a general manager, but but Glenn still kind of runs the hockey end of things. In, in, well, it's like in, Harry Sinden in Boston yeah. too, right? So, yeah, I, I if, if it was Ken Holland, I, um, I would have no problem with that as long as, as, as they kept Keith Gretzky, but you know, who's, like I said, you can't tell, you, you can't bring in anybody and say, you have to keep this person. I don't think you should. 
so if you want to hire a new general manager and not say give it to Keith Gretzky, is that new general manager, you know, are his hands tied as to who he wants to be his right-hand man? Should it be Keith Gretzky? If the order higher-ups are right, it probably he should probably stay with the organization. He's running the draft. We've already been told that he's running the draft. Um, but you know, it's like Ken Hall. It's like Ken Hitchcock. It's coach. The new general manager might look at it and say, you know what? We need a younger guy to coach this team. We don't need Ken Hitchcock. So it, it, there's so many balls in the air as to who you hire and and who he has to keep on the staff and who's making those decisions. The, you know, Bob Nicholson, uh, Kevin Lowe, who's, who's being told that, yeah, you have to keep this guy. Yeah, well, as we all know, Kevin Lowe doesn't make hockey decisions anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that. And I don't even know, like, we we have no idea if, if it's just Bob Nicholson hiring this general manager, who's helping him? Are they going to go to a headhunter? Is the headhunter going to interview all these people and then come down to six names and then then Bob Nicholson's going to hire him? I, I don't know how this is going to work. headhunter? I don't know. I have no idea. Is that and like not Dave up? Hunter? And not Dave Hunter <laughs> or Mark Hunter? Yeah, a headhunter. Dale can Hunter's around. Uh, isn't yeah, he? a headhunter can interview Mark Hunter. Yes. Uh, so goodness. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's call it all better manpower or whatever the uh, the sperm yeah. is that does those things. Yeah, there's. Uh, it, it's you know, theoretically, your general manager is the most important guy in your team. It isn't on this Edmonton Oilers. It's Connor McDavid. But on most teams, your general manager is your most important hire and uh, your most important person because he's running the store. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know that, you know, here we are, it's beginning of April. The draft is less than three months away. I mean, you know. Was... I think you need a general manager by the 1st of June. Mm -hmm. Now, if Vegas is still playing, then they're not talking to, to uh, Kelly McCrimmon until Vegas is done. So that's, you know, the 7th, I think, might be the last day of the season. There's between the 7th and the 10th or something. So it makes it difficult to wait that long, especially if you have a couple of other people you you like that you've already interviewed three, four weeks ahead of this, and then you're waiting around for one guy. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think you can hire it. You, you can't go into the draft and say, oh, by the way, this is our general manager and you know, a couple of weeks before the draft and he's introducing himself to the scouting staff and whoever else is working for the Oilers. Well, I, I think the, the need for a goalie now is is more paramount. This the need for for a backup goalie now um, brings Shane Starrett into the picture because no matter how well Shane Starrett is playing for Bakersfield, because Koskinen has not played well enough, I don't think they can go into next year with Shane Starrett as a backup. 
they have to get somebody who has played, you know, 100, 150 NHL games as a backup. And that backup, I think, has to have the ability to play between 25 and 30 games until Koskinen proves he can play 60. And, um, you know, he has had some good games since Cam Talbot left. I think the the high watermark for Koskinen was after Cam played all those games at the beginning of the year, then they, then all of a sudden Koskinen started playing and he played a, all those tremendous games, especially at home, and won, you know, was giving up one goal a game. And uh, since Cam's left, he's played some good games, but there's no, his good games are good, not great. His bad games are bad. They're, I'm getting hooked bad. Four times he's, he's been hooked in the last 15 games. Um, part, you know, part of it sometimes is the team, like in Toronto, we got the hook and the team was terrible that game, as I recall. Um, but that's a lot of times to be hooked if you're the starting goaltender. Um, and then it's not like they're going to Cam Talbot as the backup. You know, they've got Stallers as the backup. So um, he has to be considerably better. Uh, I don't think, he says he's not tired. He's played 52 games. His career high is 56 as a pro in the KHL a couple of years ago, including playoffs. So he's getting to that point where he's played a, you know, a lot of games and they don't see anywhere near the shots in the KHL as they do in the NHL. So he's seeing more shots from bet worse, from tougher spots on the ice. And I don't know how you improve his glove hand unless you tell him, as we've joked, he's got to sign up for several, you know, slow pitch or fast pitch ball teams this summer and learn how to catch. So, but he, he's, he's, he's a funny goalie. He's a big goalie, and you see some big goalies, they just let the puck hit him because they're so big. He's kind of, he's pretty active in the net. And I think, you know, Dustin Schwartz, the goalie coach has to work with him and get him to quiet his game down a little bit and let the pucks hit him. I mean, in my mind, there's only, well, there's three options when it comes to who else is going to be the Oilers net miner. Of course, there is Shane Starrett, and he's 20. He's 25 this year. He's not like he's just a new kid just drafted a couple of years ago. He's been playing in the minors and seasoning. I mean, at some point, he's going to have to get a shot. Maybe it'll be come because of injury. It's usually how these th- these things go, or at least he plays so lights out that you can't help but bring him up and see how he does. But, you know, there's we all, we, we talked about the uh, free agent goalie pool for July 1. It's fairly, you know, Middling. There's no outside of Sergei Bobrovsky, and the orders aren't going to be signing a guy like that because they can't afford it. You know, it's you're just getting more of the same. Whether you're you'd held on to Cam Talbot or not, or whether you're signing a Peter Mrazek, et cetera, et cetera. Cam Ward. I don't know if he's available, but they're all essentially the same thing. They're but they're not going to nest. They're not coming in here expected to be your bona fide number one guy. They're going to be pushing Koskinen. I mean, maybe you get lucky and they have a great year, but what what would the harm be? And I mean, would Cam Talbot, you know, you could bring him back. What what kind of goodwill would that be? I think that would be a slap in the face at Cam Talbot. Sure, it would. you traded him. You didn't think he was the starter. You mm-hmm. traded him to to get rid of his money. You went to Philadelphia, and 
And then you said, oh, we looked around. We can't find anybody better. You want to come back? Sure. Well, he's not coming back for four. He's coming back for two. And uh, now I don't know what he's going to get in, in, in Philadelphia if they sign him again. Uh, if they sign him, Brian Elliott's available as well. But there's other teams that might go for Brian Elliott. So you're right. You do come down to the same sort of people as the backups, career backups is what you're getting. Whether that's a Mrazek who sort of was a starter in Detroit but couldn't beat out Jimmy Howard or Curtis McElhenney who's been a career backup his entire life. Uh, that's the sort of goalie you're going to get. But they've also played a fair number of NHL games. And uh, Sterrett to me is... Laurent Bossois. We think he can be a backup in the NHL, but we're not sure. And, you know, he plays every fourth, fifth game. So I think they need somebody next year who's going to push Koskinen a little bit. And if he if his game starts to slide, you don't stick with him. You go to somebody else for a while. And you know, and that that's unfortunate for Shane Sterrett because I think they got to re-sign him to his contracts up. Um, but they got what they got to do is they got to find a better backup than Al Montoya, who they brought in, you know, and thought that he was better than Laurent Bassois, and uh, Al wasn't, and then had concussion issues and stuff. Uh, and is in the minors, and he's had vertigo problems, and hasn't isn't playing. So they have to find a backup better than him, I think, next year, because I don't think Koskinen's proven he can be, you know, a sixty-game goaltender. The Canadian Women's Hockey League uh, is folding. You know, they had a few teams: Calgary had a team, Montreal, Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it came as a bit, a bit of a surprise. Um, you know, women's hockey has got stature in, in Canada. If, if Team Canada, women, the Canadian women's team is playing at Rogers Place, I think the last time they played an exhibition was before the Olympics last year and they sold it out. So, you know, it's women's hockey has been gaining fans. And, you know, the pro game, we don't have a team in Edmonton. Um, but, you know, to see it fold... Uh, is it is sad, but I, I like to think that there's a future for women's professional hockey somehow, some way, in a different form. Or Maddie, there has to be a partnership with the NHL if it wants to actually grow deep roots. Instead of giving it lip service that we really like women's hockey, we'll jump in then and say we want a, a women's professional hockey league, and we'll I don't know if funding it is the right word, but we'll find people or sponsors or whatever so that you can keep playing. And I don't think it's the, the, the caliber of player is excellent, but they weren't drawn enough people, I presume. So, um, they need, they need the, the NHL, uh, to step in and say, we think this is important and we're going to fund it in some sort of way and, and make sure that, that the players get paid and uh, uh, and we develop women's hockey. And there there's women making the Hockey Hall of Fame now and there should be more of them in there. And if that is, you know, that's a, a whole Hockey Hall of Fame, it's just not the NHL. 
and it's very important in the NHL. They make lots of money. This is not a, you know, they can fund the Women's Professional Hockey League for sure. And it's, it's right now they're sort of, I wouldn't say they're waffling, but they're not exactly jumping right in the NHL and saying, oh yeah, absolutely. So, but they have, they should be doing this. And I think it's of a town like Edmonton. I mean, not every, not every market is like Edmonton where the orders are the, the game in town that by far, I mean, you know, the Edmonton Eskimos would be second, but that's a drop in the bucket in comparison to the interest in the orders. But, you know, I look at the Oil Kings, the other team, the other team, the orders entertainment group owns and plays out of Roger Place. You know, they average what, six, 7,000 people on average there. I mean, weekend games get more because there's kids and they get more people. But, you know, you're adding, a, you know, if let's say, let's say the NHL goes ahead and does this and Edmonton gets a franchise. Um, I don't know. I mean, we joked, I remember joking last summer about what if the owners were to bring their AHL farm team here? Could they make a go of it? Could they actually make a business case to have a third hockey team here that they would charge money for and maybe if it's Rogers place or whatever. I don't think if, as long as the farm team in Bakersfield still yeah. ends up drawing sure. five, 6,000, they're not going to do it. But you know, but then you have the women's professional game. I guess it just depends on if you think you can grow interest in the game further. I know it's, it's still hockey, but it is, it is women playing the hockey, a different set of stars, a different set of characters away from the NHL. Because the WHL is related to the NHL, those guys are going. Some of those guys are going to make the jump and play pro, and they might one day play on an NHL team, including the Oilers. You know, we're not at the point here where we would see women playing in the NHL. Um, so you're talking about a completely different. In a lot of ways, you're talking about a different product. It's a different product, but it's still hockey and mm -hmm. good hockey. Yeah, and obviously Edmonton is, we think, a hockey town. Uh, I mean, or is it more of an Oilers? Uh, put town? it this way. The caliber of women's hockey on these teams would probably be higher for women's, you know, these players are going to play on national teams internationally and such than it would be for the Oil Kings because not every player that's playing for the Oil Kings is going to be a pro. You know, there's there's a few, but not, they're not going to the NHL. Whereas, you know, a league, you know, in in certainly sponsoring teams in Canada... There's lots of those players that are going to play uh, either on for a U.S. Uh, national team or a Canadian. So I don't think it's, you know, it's it's like it's, it would be a drop in the bucket to most NHL for the league as a whole to say like we can fund it, we can we can pay for this league because we think it's important. Yeah, I mean. You know, why do why does any sport, why does any league or any team catch interest and grow to the extent where I mean, we can go back in history and the NHL's got a long history to celebrate its hundredth anniversary a couple of years ago. But at one point in time, and I know Canada and the US have all grown here over time and and uh but it has to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. I mean, who knows what I mean, I'm not gonna be alive in a hundred years, but who knows what People will be, you know, passing their time with and showing interest in a hundred years from now. We could all be living in a virtual reality room for crying out loud. We don't know, but it has to start somewhere. Somebody has to actually, you know, recognize that, hey, there is a market for this game. There are people out there to reach 
who, you know, aren't going to watch, let's say, the NHL. Maybe, maybe this is an opportunity to grow, grow even more, and and it's just an opportunity. But somebody has to take that leap of faith because right now, no, there is no Canadian, there is no women's professional hockey team selling out a hockey arena that's got 18,000 18, capacity. It's not happening. It's not happening, and it doesn't happen with junior hockey either. No, it so, doesn't. Uh, the NHL likes the players they get from junior hockey. They're not paying for them when they're playing junior hockey, though. I mean, that whoever owns that team pays, and they don't pay those kids very much money. Um, you know, they would have to pay the salaries of these players, too, if they're going to, you know, run the league unless they get sponsors major sponsors uh across the country and you know in in the areas and um you know and i don't know how many centers in canada would be would uh would be applicable to having a team certainly yeah. you could have a team in edmonton if you got a team in calgary so yeah i mean i think about uh, the example in the united states uh, where the WNBA, Women's National Basketball Association, has been around for a, a bunch of years now. I mean, they don't draw the same as the NBA teams do, but they're, they exist. I don't think they're connected to the NBA. They might have been at one time. Um, but I, 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 but even there, I mean, I, I think that it things just take time, and it depends on how much attention people are paying to these sports. I mean, I know that, you know, there's a very big menu when it comes to just sports that we can consume in Edmonton, Canada, you know, a city of a million people furthest North major city in Canada and on the continent for that matter. And we have, thanks to technology, access to watch all manner of sporting events. Never mind going down to Rogers Place to watch, say, the Oilers or Oil Kings live and never mind about the football team and the new soccer team that's coming in and a basketball team. But just being able to watch things on screens, whether it's television or your phone or your computer, the whole world is open up to us and there's so much competition. I mean, you know, when it comes to trying to grow a game, like say women's hockey, never mind the WNBA example or professional soccer of some stripe here in North America, it is, it is a long-term game. It is not something you're going to see overnight. Just like the NHL, you know, once upon a time, Edmonton didn't have an NHL team. It didn't have a pro hockey team for a few years. I mean, before the NHL, there was the WHA. Before the WHA, there was the old Western Hockey League with the Flyers played in. I mean, everything takes time. Like I said, the NHL's got money, got the money to do it. Mm -hmm. Somebody's... And yep. in terms of, you know, to be crass, it would also benefit them in terms of public relations if they did it. Mm -hmm. You know, apart from growing the game, the public relations part of it, if they did it, uh, they would gain something from that. And I think that's what it is. It is growing the game. I mean, the NHL makes efforts to go to China and to go to, you know, to Europe and play games in their global series in efforts to get more people to watch your game. And I think, you know, having, I mean, if you're trying to appeal to a different gender, if more women would watch hockey because women are playing high level hockey and getting paid for it and not just getting paid you know 20 bucks a day but getting a living wage like if they if they to carry it four steps too far probably but if we ever get around to um the nhl using you know women 
as other referees or lines, you know, you know, working the lines and in, in the, they're going to need some place for those, them to find these players. They would be finding them off, you know, professional hockey teams. So, um, eventually there's going to be, you know, women working in the NHL, I think is, is, you know, working the lines for sure. And, uh, they gotta find they gotta find those people somewhere, and they would be playing pro hockey on one of these teams in in Canada. That's our oil spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. 